stop at the show Do you know With your love light shining clearly Welcome to Tales from the Partially Closed East Stand Sponsored by Peachtree East This week we have Cork We're going to talk about Cork We're going to talk about Bluebell coming up on Friday We've got interviews with John and Karen Conley We also have Bluebell gaffer Andy Noonan Having a chat with us at the Bluebell Club So uh, loads and loads of content this week So as usual, it is me, Gary Parsons, and my co-host, Carl Riley. Hi there. The prof. So, uh, great response to our show last week. Some nice words from Ray Whelan, Gary Slevin, and Brian Mason, just to name a few. Much appreciated. And uh, people really enjoyed our own Royce interview. Yeah, that was probably one of my favourite interviews to do so far. Yeah, all. I was a big fan. I loved it. I thought uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't robotic, stereotypical football interview. You know, it was a bit of bite and edginess to it. I mean... Is uh, we're gonna have to see a collabo soon for books. I think you, McDarrett, and all was the yeah. ta- what do we call the Talisman sequel? Terrible, terrible time, terrible time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about you, Gary, but I had a strange sense of deja vu throughout the recording of last week's show. Oh, yeah, certainly did, certainly did. That was a near catastrophe, wasn't it? We'll explain that joke at the end of the season <laughs> in the bloopers, maybe the bloopers section. So, uh, yeah, stacked show today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, one of the hot topics of the week as the club release a statement about the crowd behaviour. So, crowd behaviour and fines before the court game. Domestically, our fines from flares and pitch encroachments have exceeded €6,500 and there was also an €8,000 fine from UEFA for people standing in the stairwell and Block M during Malada Boleslav game, which I thought was very harsh, standing in the stairwell. Eight grand fine. Eight grand is huge yeah, for, a lot. for crowding the stairwell. It's a lot and, uh, to, um, I mean... It, it, it was big money and to prevent the closure of the East Stand by the authority some seating at either end of the stand was blocked off in the court game as well as meshing hmm. along the front rows so what did you think of that Carl? Well people are asking what is uh, closing off two ends of the stand going to do I suppose it gives the the uh, steward the barest chance to stop pitch invasion slightly but there were some flags hung upside down in the East Stand as well. Um, I mean, it's a lot of money to be forking out. I mean, how many memberships is that? You know what I mean? It's a lot. And I don't think we can afford to be stubborn with the authorities. I mean, we should be diplomatic here. Play the game. A bit like Tyrion. Just play both sides and work work all angles. We haven't even talked about the epic Game of Thrones finale, have we? No, we'll get to that later. We'll have to have a, see, we'll have to have a, a special on that on its own. There was a chance of you'll never close the East Stand. Yeah, yeah. Um... Like, like I said, it's we can't afford to be stubborn with these authorities. It's all about playing the game. We might not necessarily mean what we say to the FAI in, in these disciplinary meetings. Just play the game, try and avoid every fine there is. And I mean, to be honest, I don't think anyone was put out by the stands being partially closed. I mean, I didn't hear of any being anyone being pissed off or talking about not being able to get a C, things like that. So it wasn't it wasn't that bad of a of a, of a situation. So. No, but you're saying play the game, especially so with UEFA. Remember how hard they hit Dundalk over that Palestinian flag? Yeah, they hit them hard, all right. Yeah, it's 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 more UEFA who we'd be scared of rather than the FAI. Mm. I think you can get away with getting your fine suspended with the FAI by UEFA. They don't fuck around. So I popped my volunteer cherry the other day. I started in the ticket office and... How'd that go? Yeah, then I got the bogey torn style. It's actually a bit of crack. Uh, those things are lethal in the wrong hands those torn styles <laughs> and there's a couple of banged heads but they, no I got the bogey torn style probably have to get that fixed is it superior to the Milltown's hurt though <laughs> it's uh, oh, yeah, not a patch on it but see they really do the club service I will say now that was it was a hands on approach 
Um, we'd actually struggle very badly without these guys. So once again, we do appreciate all the work that they do behind the scenes. And I'm going to try and help out each week when I'm up early and that. And we have a plan to do a piece in the volunteers soon. So uh, yeah, they're the unsung heroes, really. Yeah, they really are. They put so much time and effort in. They they miss 15 minutes of the match every week, which which is fair play to them again once again. And like I said, we're coming for you guys. So have your uh, your interview hats on. Yeah, we're coming. That's my scary horror movie voice. Just Sam Bone mask. Sam Bone mask, yeah. But else we got the trouble in the Maldron beforehand. Loads of Cork travel down. Eyewitnesses reports say that Cork started singing about Milltown. Rovers sang about Roy Keane and then there was a scuffle and the Maldron removed Rovers fans. So, I mean, talk about a death blow to your financial health. It's a bad move, Maldron. Bad move. Really is. Yeah. I mean, if the Rovers fan decided to boycott that, that's that's a lot, a lot of stacks of cash not going in their tails. It's a, it's a, I don't know. I mean, apparently there's new new management involved. I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, I saw someone say that they wouldn't let a few lads from Iceland in as well back for, in the Sterling game. They had to be talked into it. So, very strange behaviour. One gentleman was quizzed about the badge on his arm and a particular item of clothing he was wearing and what it meant. I mean, what what type of what type of behaviour is that? And Paul O'Brien was asked, "Why are you coming in here?" And well, he said, else? "I'm coming because in. I've parked my car here." Yeah, I mean, well, what else am I going to be coming into the hotel for? Asking stupid questions like that—I can't stand stupid questions like that. Well, Immediately looking for confrontation, you know. Well, the margin has always been sort of a matter of convenience. You know, it's on our doorstep. That's all. But it, like, it, it's a shame we don't have one place for everyone, and the fans end up all split apart. Yeah. See, the thing is, with the Glenmalore, there's there's legal. There's, there's, there's legal things there that we can't have it open to everybody so that's that's one thing yeah. that I, I think the board are definitely working on I'd love to see all the fans just piled into the Glenmore beforehand mm. more money for the club more crack for the fans there's definitely it, I mean the club are working on it so that's what we will say about that but you can bring a, a guest in with your guest pass and it's it's too small anyway to hold absolutely everybody in the Glenmore suite I know but when it came, if it comes down to it you definitely could just open up the suite if if it wasn't on on that night but I mean you could easily accommodate a, a lot of people in it people want points they'll get them I mean you serve serve the public if they want it but like, that's 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 a move for another season we're, uh, we're making making baby steps so uh, we'll move on now what else we got we got Stephen Bradley he responded in the media by saying that he had no time for Caulfield's nonsense and he said forget the handbags and the lipstick yeah very cool move by Bradley I must say yeah, he was classy in the build-up. I think he's learning on the pitch and off the pitch throughout the season. You know how to handle tactics and substitutions, and how to handle the media and the press. Yeah, I mean, he's like I said, he's doing his talking on the pitch. Um, I I reckon the hashtag Brazzers beard movement has a lot to do with it. I think yeah. ever since he's gotten the beard, our our form has improved. <laughs> yeah, we're like I said, we will keep you updated. We had a great uh, <laughs> update from Carl Cairns on his beard. And we appreciate it because it's a pressing, pressing issue with Shamrock Rovers football. Club. Oh, the picture of him in the barbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, I think he's some sort of model on the side. Yeah. And RTE had actually had a slow mo of him putting his hand through the barnet. Yeah, it was perfect, <laughs> like the L'Oreal ad. Um, but as for the build up, yeah, I think Caulfield leave the mind games to intelligent people. Yeah, no, he's not able for. It. He tried to say that we only scored from long shots. He was like a roundabout way of putting it down our performance. Did you listen to his interview? I didn't hear that. It part, was pretty much saying, "Oh well, they, we, it's one thing we didn't want to get them long shots on the edge of the box. It was, it was just kind of putting our performance down without actually putting it down." 
Yeah. In his uh, roundabout, inbred Cork manner. Bradley has some weird walk that he does on the pitch as well. <laughs> I see him Someone drinking over Rovers Cup, which is very good. There's a great yeah. photograph of that. We need a gif of that. I want to see this walk. <laughs> yeah, get the gif out. Yeah. Get your gif out. <clears throat> uh, well, we got Graham Bork was on crutches. He suffered a ligament injury. When I hear that, it just makes me shudder. So he was in training before the game, and it's likely he'll be out of the re- for the rest of the season. I did one of those double takes, Carl. It was like a, mm. a cartoony rub of the eyes when I saw him on crutches. It was like a ghost. It was, you could have swear I saw a ghost. It was terrible news. So we wish him a swift recovery. And um, I think Lukey's the main man for inspiration there. I'm sure he's already been on to him about helping him out and recuperation and all sorts of uh, recovery. So yeah. Lukey, get on that. Though he might make the cup final. Oh, it'd be brilliant if he would, wouldn't it? Mm. Are we, uh, which cup final <laughs> is that, Carl? The cup final. The cup final. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Bulger came in for his first league start of the season. Hard to believe it was only his first league start. Simon Madden was back in, and ironically, David Webster, the man at the centre of the media build-up, was suspended. So, And no duly for them. No duly, yeah, thank God, because he's actually quite a menace when it comes to playing against Rovers. So we'll move on to Aaron in a while. We're going to have a little piece on him because he, uh, he has had a stunning week as regards to his football career. Uh, what else we got? We had a frantic opening, a couple of minutes, which I missed because I'm a volunteer now, Carl. Oh yeah, that was the reason. <laughs> you can't even operate a turn stuff. No, struggling, I knocked myself out at one stage. <laughs> yeah, straight from tip, Shaw got an elbow in the head. Don't and expect he anything less. Thirty seconds is it the game? Yeah. Uh, Clark got some heavy treatment throughout the game, but never stopped him. In fairness, he never to him. does, man. You get hit no. by a bus and you get straight back up. Yeah, Madden went down. All gamesmanship, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> tactical, tactical falling. And uh, Balger had a clash of heads as well. You probably thought he was in Helsinki after that. <laughs> good old Helsinki. Greatest time of year. Yeah, it was actually a good few elbows thrown in that. In, in the 90 minutes. So the robbers' medics were pretty busy. Yeah, his super doctor was uh, up on his feet a few times. Yeah, McCormick hacked down Clark at one stage. Yeah. You'd love to see the foul count on Clark this season well, I don't think we have anybody who actually does that any company employed like Opta or anything like that yeah I think uh, there, there's a job opening Carl Carl what, what, we have to think of something the prof the prof's index so we had the Finn goal it was a very tame left foot strike deflected by the MMA superstar Alan Bennett <laughs> the king of elbows Um, yeah it, like, I think Alan Colley made the point that he never sees Ronald Finn strike a ball with his left and yeah that's very true yeah, never do. Yeah, um, so we yeah, got a bit took, of luck. Took a wicked deflection, yeah. Yeah, we got a bit of luck with that one. But we kept up the momentum and melee. So how about that run by Trevor Carroll? Oh, th- this was all about Trevor Clare. Slalom. Skiing through the defence. You received that ball about 55 yards from goal. And a few seconds later, he's after flying past four players. And he's just outside the Cork penalty area. Mm. It was a sight to behold. Now, I think we got a little bit of luck as regards to just at the end of the run. I think the ball looked like it got nicked off him. But Brando, the awareness. And he just took a couple of touches and he stroked home a gorgeous strike over Ratboy McNulty. And pandemonium in the fractionally shut East stand. <laughs> it was it was a sweet strike. <laughs> it, was, it just dipped in, didn't it? It was fantastic. But the gas thing is, it probably wouldn't even be in our top four goals this season. No, this is seriously. Let's we don't want to sum up the season now, but this has been a really good season <laughs> for goals, for comebacks, for wins, for Europe. It's been a fantastic season, so we we will say that now. Um, we're we're three quarters away through, and just a little bit over that. Well, yeah, it's it's been a really eventful season. How and it just just dropped in, didn't it? 
I understand the analysis for the round of Finn goal because Cork didn't close him down at all. Like it was comical. It was a bit like us trying to deal with McEnough. Yeah, it was. It was inevitable he was going to get the shot in, and when he put it onto his left, I was like, "Oh, what are you doing, Ron?" But I didn't understand all the the analysis of the second call because I mean, I described Clark's run, and then me and they nipped it off the defender and scored a beautiful goal. What's there to even talk about? Maybe yeah, they were a bit slow coming out to me, they but I mean, it was all about Clark and me. They. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, no more to it. So we'll, we'll talk about our chances now. We had a couple. Carl, um, yeah, I mean, we had stunned Cork in that first 20 minutes. It was a blitz, wasn't it? Yeah, and then start of the second half, Melee burst through on goal. I think he just overran the ball a little bit. Yeah, Finn had a shot on the error mark where he got under. We had actually nicked the ball from a Cork throw in for that one, and uh, yeah, Cork really started to put the pressure on from, from that point. Really, they had a good 20 minutes, they had, a, they had about a 20 minute spell. That they? was their best spell, yeah. But in saying that, they didn't really do much either. I mean, it was quite a, a limp display from them. They they don't they, they didn't convince me at all. I mean, look. So we'll talk we'll talk about them in a few. We'll talk about Morrissey's goal. Yeah, we'll talk about Morrissey's goal now. It was a good strike. I mean, we restricted them to long shots for most of the games. It it went through a forest of flailing limbs. It was very hard for Tom for Tom to save. If you see the angle from behind the goal, he was pretty much diving blind. So. Yeah. Who Tomer was excellent on the night, but he away. had a very good game. Yeah, excellent. He had a couple of shaky moments early on, maybe, but he was brilliant otherwise. Yeah, I mean, people don't give his distribution enough credit. I don't think. I mean, this guy yeah. is pretty much two footed, and he's always looking for fullbacks. Always wants to do a short ball. He, he nicked that one away from Sadler as well. It was a terrible yeah. touch from Sadler, but he still had to do it. He closed him down really yeah. well for that, and he just that grabbed was a, that ball. That was a two one, I think, wasn't it? Yes, I think so. It could have been. It was a big was, chance. Yeah, that. big chance. Terrible touch. Terrible, terrible touch from Sadler. He was booked for time wasting again, which some people are getting paranoid about. I wouldn't get too upset about that. I mean, he's, he's just uh, it, it's just that's just tactical, isn't it? I yeah. did, I did notice that we we did try and time waste towards the end of the a three one, which I wasn't a fan of. I didn't think we did actually. I thought we were being ruthless because we made we made a chance right at the end. I think Mikey was true, and he could have just squared it for Finn. I thought we were going for a fourth. Yeah, you know, but at one stage we did go into the corner and time waste. We yeah. did hold it into the corner, which I don't like to see a three one up, you know. It's it's kind of it's kinda of pointless, you know. But um yeah, no, it was a really, really good performance and Yeah, I mean we both knew Cork were gonna score at some stage. I think we both said it, didn't we, that hopefully it's late in the game when yeah. it won't matter. We didn't want it before sixty <laughs> minutes. Yeah. And their goal started from a corner. But I don't know if you'd count that as a set piece conceded because a lot of time had passed. No, I think once the ball corner. exits the area, it's you don't score from your corner. You know, once the ball's exited, maybe the eighteen yard box has been cleared, done. It's not it's not from a set piece anymore. Mm. Uh, move on to our subs. Um I thought Bowen was a great sub. I mean, usually taking off an offensive midfielder, putting on a grafter in front of your back forward that invites pressure, like Michael O'Neill used to do to see out games. Uh, they didn't really apply pressure and they were limp and very disappointing when they were trying to attack us so I thought it was a great sub and Bowen did very well when he came on it was arguably the most important moment of the game because yeah. Morrissey was actually running the muck at that stage yeah he was doing very well in the middle of the park and Bowen came on and just completely disrupted their whole play yeah we had to deal with him I mean if you go back to Limerick was it 3-4 months ago we brought Bowen on and we were lamenting that decision remember we kept falling further, further and further into our own half yeah and now we're talking about Bond coming on and being sort of a 
decisive moment in the game. And he came on at 2-1. So, I mean, he did have a, a role to play in, in the yeah. goal as well. So it was definitely a good uh, substitution. And Brazza got it right that time. He'll never score a goal in his career, though, I've determined. No, He I just don't. looks like one of those players. like a McCormick. It'll go in off his arse if he does. Yeah. Or his mask. So yeah, Mikey as well, the other sub. I mean, he's such a great outlet. He's, he's, he comes you on. said that to me, and it just summed him up at the moment. He's he's so good when he comes off the bench. So, I mean, did you see his run on Soccer Republic? You see his little darting run where he I got did, away yeah. from Buckley, I think it was. It was superb. It was, it was really, class. really good. Finn probably had his best game in a Rovers jersey. Absolute machine. Runs for days, and what a finish by Mikey. Just looped into the top corner. I hope we, hopefully, we see a bit more from now. Had a great week and he scored from the 19s. We'll talk about that in a while. But he, um, I, I mean, how does he fit in? How do you drop Shaw? Do you play two up front? Our system is working at the moment. There's a gap now with Burke, who is, I mean, you wouldn't play Mikey in front behind Shawzy. Mm. So h- how do you fit him in? You can't drop Shaw at the moment because he's playing well. I'd leave. I, I think I'm going to end up playing Brando in behind that striker and behind Shawzy. But that'd be me including Bulger or doing it. Talk about predictions in a while as well, but it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a call to make for Brads, isn't it? Who does he put yeah. in instead of Bork? It's working as a sub for now, so I would leave it as it is. But mm. credit to Madden as well for starting that move. He dinked it over for Finn on the right. Yeah, it was a lovely pass. Put a lovely ball across. Lovely, him. lovely pass. Really aware, and uh, actually a really good goal when you look back on it. Yeah, an acute angle or a tap in, as my post called it. And a tap in. Yeah, is that what he called it? That's what he called it. Jesus. It's um, an, uh, an excuse to call out Mikey's Twitter handle again. Yeah. Michael55795. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's a, uh, I mean, if we haven't really had much success when we cut in from the right or left, as in it looks like a one-on-one, but the angle is too acute and we try and square it. We actually haven't had too much success, as in squaring the ball from that angle and getting a goal. So it was really good to see That's us true, get, yeah. getting getting a goal from, from that angle and that style of play. And we're the first team to score three goals against Cork this season. Oh, lovely, lovely. Uh, breaking records again. And that's the first time they've lost by more than one goal in any competition this year, including Europe. Yeah, they're starting to crumble. They really are starting to crumble. So, celebrating with the fans at the end. Um, yeah, it's never truly a win until you get the Brazder fist pump and you get Tomer thumping the chest. Yeah, the chest thump, the fist pump and the uh, general appreciation because they seem to, they, they, they really do. I mean, I actually spoke to him about Galway and they were in awe. They were like, what was going on in the stand? That was nuts. <laughs> I was like, yeah, listen, I don't know what about that. No comment. <laughs> I was in the bar. Listen, listen to the show. Carol, Carol will tell you what happened. Uh, yeah, but um, no, they really are in awe of the fans. So, I mean, like I said, I've never felt a connection like this before with a team or players. So it's it's definitely, definitely a good thing. And um, yeah, great a, celebrations at the end. I saw a court journalist asking, why are they celebrating like they won the league? Well, because you just don't have that bond with your players, lads. You just don't know how it feels to have a bond like that with a special team. So We, uh, we beat the Champions-elect for the first time this mm. year. If you're asking that question, you don't really understand exactly, football. Exactly, yeah, just go watch quickie. I liked uh, Fergus McCormick on Twitter. He said, Social media, sniping at Shamrock Rovers and Stephen Bradley from fans of Cork, Pats and Bowls, etc., is a sure sign that things are going well in <laughs> D24. Good stuff, yeah. Uh, the Ultras had a great banner and they um, they listed off the many, many aliases that Cork have had throughout the years. Yeah, Packham Martin wants royalties. Yeah, I he, think so. He posted exactly that on Facebook a couple of days before. It just shows you the zombie club is back, live and well, for how long we don't know. 
Get Tom, bring back Tom Coughlin. That's what I say. <laughs> Tom Coughlin is a hoop. He hates Cork. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I hope we can build on this team. I mean, from next year. Because let's say, I mean, we got 12 players released at the end of last season. If that happened again, those if you brought more players in, they'd struggle to grasp what is going on with the fans. And we'd be building again from, from ground up as in the relationship. So that looks at Lee Grayson. Finn and Trev, and I mean, there's a serious core there in the team. I hope we can keep them. I know we're going to lose one or two, probably mean. Maybe, who else? Who else do you think could leave at the end of the season that's not really getting in? I'm not too sure now. Mm. If we're putting each other on the spot now, I'm not too sure who who we could lose towards the end of the season. No, you couldn't, you couldn't make 12 changes could, again. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, we do have a great team there. We have the Newcastle of a great team. It's just as a risk of losing their best young players. That's it. Clark and Bolger. But I reckon we're three signings away from, from something really, really special and competing with the league. And uh, So there was nearly 3,500 in the total attendance. Um, best performance of the season, Carl? I think so. I mean, we battered them. For, we, yeah, for real this yeah, time. We, uh, we really battered them. Actually battered time, them. Yeah. I mean, like, what other performances were that good? I mean, there was... Uh, Dundalk was very good now. Dundalk away was fantastic. The 1-0 win. No, the home one, I mean. The one that went out there was fantastic as well. It was very good, but the 2-1. Yeah, that was really good. Probably um, on par with Cork. I think... Almost. I, I think, I, I'm going to go for this. This is our best performance of the season. Best performance on the Bradzer as well. As Rico said on RTE, he said, Rovers are positive in everything they've done. Cork, hesitant and doubtful. Yeah, great way to sum them up. really was. Although I'm not too happy with his choice of words. I expected something mm. more centric. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to, I had me thesaurus on me Send now, you to so. the dictionary. Yeah, I wanted to be sent to the dictionary. Yeah. So we had Bonhoff on the forum. And remember, as the forum is still alive, please go and post on it because that is the original place where Hoops met online and it's still a great source of info. And I still actually only know some people by their forum names <laughs> yeah. as well. So Bonhoff on the forum put it best. A great win. A young, hungry, vibrant team eager to get better and to achieve great things versus a team who are blessed enough to have the best finisher since Twiggy playing for them for six months and winning them the league on his own. I've been boring the guys around me for two months about wanting to see Aaron Bulger play because that kid can play. He's 17, small and looks all... And looks for the world an heir to apparent Wes Hulahan and Liam Brady. He could be that good. We have to make it to a fine side, but we need that Maguire type player to really go the distance. And that echoes what we were just saying. We really do need a goal scorer, maybe two more signings. If I mean, who do we get? We did we get Ronan Murray? He was on the League of Ireland podcast recently saying that he doesn't know where he could go. He's happy enough in Galway, but if he got professional football, he could probably move on. I take Ronan Murray, but is he that type of player? Does he dislodge Shaw? Do we? Does the formation that we play allow the striker to? to let any striker score that many goals because he needs to be a workhorse to be in this team and Gary Shaw is the man for that it well, allows the players around them to get into positions to score goals you know it depends how many goals are being contributed from all over the pitch I mean if Burke and Shaw have 10 goals each I mean that's the equivalent of a 20 goal yeah, striker yeah which is a great return of variance yeah so um, there's Plus, so many questions so many outcomes that, that could come from that so uh, Finn and Bulger in the middle Carl you're a fan of this yeah, I mean, you mentioned Finn was just unreal. That guy is so fit. He's so fit. And he still has time to throw the locks back and look cool as well. His off-the-ball work, even as well, was just he's phenomenal. Just so, he's so fit and bulger, right? They they had a little highlight reel on Soccer Republic. And he is just so calm and cool. And for his age, he's just years, light years ahead of his age. He 
was able to just hold on to position and trick players into giving himself another 10 yards of space and just knock a pass off. It really, really was a fantastic performance from him in the middle. So, no, And Cawley kept pointing to the fact that he would receive the ball on the back foot all the time. Yeah. Really, really was a really good performance. So I'm definitely, definitely... I mean, I think he'll stay in the team now. I think that is going to be maybe Finn pushing on a little bit into that role behind the striker. And then Bulger just slotting right in there beside McAllister. Yeah, Finn was awarded man the match, but I mean, there was a good few contenders. Yeah, uh, it really was. Lopez handles Shepard. Uh, the Cork defence won nothing against Gary Shaw all night. Nothing. Alan Ben was actually subbed at half time. Yeah, he got the hook. Yeah. He the got hook. the Brian Carey. <laughs> yeah, Robbie Williams came on, and he, he's a big fella. Oh, yeah. He don't, is, he is. He looks a gargle, I reckon. Don't try and think of a pun, Gary. We've no time. <laughs> no. Let's move on. Yeah, McAllister broke everything up. I'm loving Dave McAllister at the moment. Yeah. Hashtag man crush. Yeah. Those eyes. Those blue eyes. <laughs> but he's such a good player for Got us at lost the in them many a time. Yeah. He's such a good player at the moment. He really is. Even, yeah, Connolly was grafting away. Yeah, and wide as well. So, I mean, it's. Um, we might sound like we're, we're gushing here, but I mean, it was a really good performance and credit where it's due. That's what I feel about it. Well, back to Bolger, I mean, he was just outrageous. Bradley was gushing over him, saying, like, for a 17 year old to come in and play like he did. Against big grown ass men in a big game like that, yeah, and run the show, not so give the ball away. Comfortable on the ball, it's unreal. Yeah, definitely. So really, really want to watch out for. He's being compared to John Giles, Glenn Hoddle. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even his closing down was 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 great too. Wasn't yeah, it? and I mean, you know what? He chucked someone off the ball at one stage. Nearly ended up in the partially closed east stand. <laughs> he just shouldered someone off, took the ball, and was like, "Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm going to keep possession now." Because that's what he does. And he uh, started in the Ireland under-19s friendly with the Czech Republic at the RSC on Monday. So a fantastic week for Aaron Bulger. And uh, he must be very well taught off in that squad to just step right in and start in centre midfield. Yeah, they won as well, I think 2-1. 2-1, 2-1, good result. So um, it was a, a good performance apparently. And then we also had the 18-99 suite and Rico cancelled. And RTE were blessed with his eccentric mumblings and ramblings for the night. So They should have published his letter for apology. Yeah. Would have been I'm waiting for hell of a read. No, he was getting stick over that, but I think what happened was he, he thought he'd either be in the gantry or the the little studio in Tata and that he could do the suite as well. So he knew beforehand he was on RT. He, so he knew he'd be working for IT, but he didn't realise he'd be in Donnybrook. So that's what the mix up oh, was. Oh, he wasn't. Oh, I thought he was yeah. actually in our little area for. No, there's, oh, a, there's a screen behind to make it look like they're there, but they were actually in Donnybrook. All right. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, do you know these 42.e interviews that have been going all season? They've been absolutely fantastic. Yes. And they had one with Rico. And they asked him about those famous program notes. And he said, uh, I do take great pride in that. When I joined Shamrock Rovers, I used to read all the papers and listen to Philip Green on RTU Radio. He was a great League of Ireland man, but even more than that, he was a great Shamrock Rovers man. Uh, Liam too, he always had a great way about him. When he was interviewed, he wasn't the most articulate, but he was full of fun. He was my hero, and I admired everything about him. One of the first interviews I did was when Jimmy McGee asked me to go into RTE Radio Studios, which at that time was in Henry Street in Dublin. I was quite eloquent in what I said, and when we were walking out, Jimmy said to me, "See the way you spoke there. Most journalists wouldn't be able to do that." Yeah, think about that. And Jimmy said similar things to me over over my career. And it just got me to talking. I learned from him to slow your words and pronounce them properly. 
I learned the art of the interview and the value of it. When I was young, everyone had elocution lessons. I think it's part of the Dublin I grew up in. He adds, I did my programme notes over in England and realised they were all the same. I even, I even stopped reading them. So I decided to change mine and make them more informative. I started to tell people what was going on behind the scenes and doing it in a way that is as attractive as possible. Then when I came home, there were far more allowances and we didn't take ourselves as seriously as the English. I took it a step further with my notes. I could go to a different galaxy. And it was almost done tongue in cheek. Different galaxies, right. Yeah. It took on life of its own, which was great. We needed to make the game as attractive as we could for people outside. The League of Ireland is often seen as the poor relations of GAA, played in bad conditions. Pat Dolan used to do the same at the time. He was a great interviewee. Do you know what? He just seems like a genuinely cool guy. And elocution lessons, do you know what? Not surprised by that. I, we had those in St. Damien's. Karen Connolly, one of our guests with John Connolly today, she'll remember this in St. Damien's. We were classmates. <laughs> uh, speech and drama, Karen, you remember that? I think Miss McHugh. Jeez, I dreaded those. I think her name was Miss McHugh. I dreaded those classes. <laughs> um, yeah, so Graham Gartland replaced Rico, and he was really good. And uh, a couple of the lads, Stephen Barrett and Anto Proctor, they were they were really impressed with him, said it was a great. And I think it might have been their first time in the suite as well, and they loved it. So it's definitely a, yeah. a goer, and hopefully it'll, it'll kick on and stay on for the, for the coming seasons because it's a really, really good uh, pre-match few points and, and a bit of laugh for fans and that. So. Uh, do you know why in the 1899 suite Con Murphy would talk to someone from the management team like often it's Glenn Crone or McPhail in this case it was uh, Stephen Bradley right. and, this is uh, after the game yeah this is post match so Bradley was talking to him and he said we had won five games in a row before this it was our best run in four years and then Con said to Stephen jeez you'd be taking care of Eddie's job at this rate and then Stephen said actually Carl gave me that one <laughs> you did not <laughs> you're getting the ammo brats are getting the ammo yeah you have been acknowledged Carl you are yeah. real um, yeah so uh, Gertz and, and Brads are in the pre and post match interviews it was very good uh, watching them back on RTE Carl surely you watched it back oh I did I, I'd say most of us did that was recorded on the box and it was a joy to watch yeah Adrian Ames was belting out some of my Famous stats on RTE commentary. Although I should have told him how to pronounce Tomer's name. What it was that? They still don't know. Because we got a Tomer. We got a Shensinski. <laughs> we got a Senchinski. Most Chen, people say Shenchinski. Shenchinski. And it's actually Henchinski. Henchinski, yeah. And that was actually the very first question from the East End that we informed of that. Yeah. And I asked him beforehand, off air. I might have been on air, off air. But either way, I said, how do you pronounce your name? I don't want to be rude. And he told me. Yeah. but uh, RTE don't seem to have those manners but um, also it's, uh, apparently our chanting was heard loud and clear our chanting about RTE RTE the yeah. FAI the whole lot East End's doing a great yeah, back in TV rocking at yeah. the moment it's the place to be and uh, the core performance after watching it back like I said it was spineless one man team as we said earlier on the season and that is being proved the case now I mean if what how many get we looked at a table in the last 8 or 9 games they'd be near, near down the bottom and if the season started maybe eight or nine eight games ago, which it, it didn't, but I mean, if it did, their their form is poor at the moment. I mean, yeah, we made them look quite ordinary. They no, were playing we, a lot of long balls as Shepherd in the first half. Second half, they did start to play. But Shepherd was playing in the position I hated him playing in for Rovers, out wide and um, wide enough. Anyway, I loved when Shepherd 
took the ball into him and tried to turn the defender or was played in in behind the defender that's when he's at his most dangerous you play him in behind the defender you give him the ball to feet and he does that turn that he was always very good at gets a shot off that's how Shepard should be playing but he just didn't utilise him at all in the right way um, and after all the talk of them winning the title by breaking every record imaginable they're going to win the title with a whimper really yeah they're going to they're just going to crawl over the line yeah. limp over the line I thought Griffin looked decent at left back as well yeah for that big, that big line at left full and I'd still take Buckley off him I'd love to see Buckley in our team but in saying that Bulger plays that like the way he's been playing we, we won't need to improve in our central midfield no quips from Stephen Beattie and Carl Shepard on Twitter this week, no? No, I, I saw their Twitter accounts. Are, Very uh, quiet. Carl Shepard pays for his Twitter followers, apparently. That's that's one of the rumours we heard. <laughs> um, no, they never really looked like scoring, so random long shot they had from outside the box that went in. Like I said, through a forest of bodies, and that was it. That was all. Well, the Sadio chance you mentioned, that was yeah, I mean, one, yeah. yeah, a bit of a half chance, really. I mean, yeah. but like I said, they were, they were really poor below par. And I reckon uh, my money's on the dock next week. Or this week, I'm betting on the dock. There you go, to my accumulator. And keep tuned for our tips from the East End. New segment coming next season. I've been promising that for months now. Yeah, we have to find a sponsor for us. Okay. <laughs> we get Paddy Power involved. Give us a few quid. Now, we'll, we'll loads of stuff coming for uh, new new segments coming next season. But that's all under wraps. So, um, yeah, so we spoiled the party. And Dundalk beat Pats 6-0. So there was never going to be a party, but... Uh, did you see the Pat's Polish keeper wearing tracksuit bottoms, Carl? I think he's wearing tracksuit bottoms. Oh, was he? Yeah. I couldn't see now. I never trust a keeper wearing tracksuit bottoms. Can you name any? Throw back to a, a Chelsea Russian keeper in the nineties. Yeah, or the God, Coventry goalkeeper. Oh, as well. Yeah, I have his name, Dimitri Karin. That's it. Yeah, we've Massimo Taibi. Who else? Gabor Kirali of more more recently, and the Scorpion kick, Carl. Can you name the goalie? Go on, give us his name. Oh, the Colombian uh, Higuita. Higuita, yeah. Remember that? All those keepers with tracksuit bottoms. Never trust a keeper with tracksuit bottoms. No, they're crazy. So Pats are just a gift they keep on giving at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, Baz didn't concede any of those goals because he'd gone off injured. Yeah, he was in La La Land. He took a knock. Um, they're awful few weeks for them. I mean, they're out of every cup now. Uh, smashed 6-0 in the dock, slowly creeping back into that dogfight. There's a Pats fan in work and... Uh, they had to move the tea bags at work because everybody keeps robbing them right they want them to pay for them so they put them at the till and I took two tea bags out and I put them up and I waited for him to come over to me and I said Frank those tea bags have, they remind me of Pats I don't know what the story is what do you think and he goes jeez I don't know I says they're out of cup that's why <laughs> <laughs> he goes oh yeah oh yeah homeless glimmer loads of car park I said yeah yeah office bands I couldn't office bands yeah, or, or factory bands or Warehouse bants. Um yeah, so uh we we spoiled that party and uh Derry's game with Drada on Sunday was postponed because of international call ups. Um so we stayed toured for the time being and they have a game in hand. They still have to play Cork, whereas Bray are the only top half team that we have to face in our run in is favourable and Yeah, you know how much I hate looking at fixture this and predicting not, well, which no, games are going to win. A bit fond looking at it now, though. Yeah, but aside from Pats, who we never beat, they're all winnable, really. Yeah, I mean, I can see Derry choking. Hopefully, anyway. But I can, I can see yeah. them messing this up. We're still going to have a hiccup between now and the end of the season, so I think we need to be ready for that. Like we're probably going to get one of those out of the blue strike performances. Yeah, I'm not going to predict the hiccup because just hopefully it won't be in, in a cup competition. Yeah, I'm. Um, tricky banana skin coming up this week but um, 
So we're going to talk about some other results. And uh, Galway were denied a stonewall penalty. And peppered the Bowles goal. Very unlucky not to get the three points. Um, Ollie Horgan was sent to the stands versus Limerick. I mean, you got to love him, don't you? He's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I mean, I reckon he's like Van Alden from Boardwalk Empire. I reckon he goes home and gets the cat and nine tails out, gives himself a good lashing. <laughs> he's just like, he just loves giving out and, like I said, glutton for, for punishment. And Harps won that with 10 men. Yeah, I mean, that Eddie DeSane guy looks good. He's got pace. Would you take a punt on him? I mean, there's only so much we see of him. We see him play twice a year against us. We see him on Soccer Republic. But he's got pace. He's got power. And that's something that Bradley likes to utilise with Brando and Trev on the wings. Pace and power. And it's something that's very, very important for football teams, I think. So, could suit our style. And um, uh, Limerick are definitely going down. They are shocking. I don't think they'll go down. But as I said a few weeks ago, they're in free fall. No, I think they will. I think they're going to get dragged right back into that. They're terrible. That guy, Airy, once again, looked decent yeah. enough. They're good enough to nick the odd win, whereas Galway just sort of get the odd draw, and it's not enough to get them out of the relegation well, zone. Played, see, I'm not only saying this because I want to go to the locker room again, but <laughs> it's uh, I would like they play decent football, to go ground, go fans. I'm not saying Limerick don't either, but um, they're playing horrible, horrible football, and like I'd say their fans aren't gonna aren't gonna stick around for much longer watching that, you know. Um. The analysis for Soccer Republic, I enjoyed it. I thought Clinton Morrison was dressed like my fifth year science teacher. <laughs> and he was wearing some sort of tweed. But uh, there was a good mix of opinions. I thought Joey and that was quite good. What he, do you think? He was he's always good crack. Yeah, he's a bit of a laugh, isn't he? Yeah. He's real set in his ways. He he won't he won't budge for anyone. I like it. It was good it was good crack on I remember when he was first on uh, I think it was the World Cup coverage a few years ago. He was taking the piss out of Ronnie Weed and like he's 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 gas. Yeah, no, it was a bit of fun, so it, it's it's better <laughs> than uh, than Dan Murray anyway. That FEI Cup draw weeks ago and being told actually was live so it was live yeah well what happened was in the rehearsal Shelburne and Shemar Gorris came out and then supposedly it happened again mm, so in, what are the odds in of reality that? what are the odds of that that doesn't explain though how David Barry got back to the couch with his super speed <laughs> yeah he is going to be in two places at once he ran faster than Gamgee ran to the wall <laughs> Game of Thrones <laughs> Game of Thrones definitely going to have a season finale about this yeah, so uh, up next we have uh, Carl who had a chat with John Connolly and his uh, daughter Karen. So we're going to roll that one out. Okay, I'm here with John and Karen Connolly. And I'll start with you, John. Do you remember how you began following Rovers and what your first game was? Um, well, you could kind of say, yeah, my first game was probably about 12 or 13 years of age. Uh, one of my neighbours, Kieran Bourne, still follows Rovers. You probably know him. And his father decided to bring us to Daly Mount Park, and I think it was a cup final. All I can remember about it was we were down in the the shopping centre end in Pigsbury, and up against the wall. I think Rover scored a goal, and we all the crowd came flying down. And I tell you, I was never so terrified in all my life. A couple of men helped myself and Kieran to climb up the railings. And we held on for dear life. And that was my first experience with Shamrock Rovers. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't stop me. Because after that then, I suppose I was probably 16, 17 years of age. And got into Rovers. I was a, an apprentice in CIE. And there was a lad in there. He was following Rovers before me. He said, do you want to come out to a match? I think the first match I ever went out to was, um, I think it was Waterford. We were out in um, Milltown, 
and just watching the match as you do and uh, all of a sudden um, the fans are all beside each other there's no segregation nothing like that and all of a sudden the big row just broke out and people are knocking the living daylights out of each other to me I thought what's going on here you know but see me this was it was normal enough for the people I was with at the time I won't say it was normal for other fans but it didn't put me off I, I enjoyed it and after that then I started going to the matches regular I met Maury and my wife at a Bowes Rovers match and things carried on uh, from there she used to come to away matches with us it was very handy at the time because herself and two of our friends used to come with us and I used to have a few lads with me as well so in the 70s it was really violent no matter where you were it was violent if you went to a dance hall there was going to be a fight things like that so we used to go to the matches um, people used to bring weapons and things like that it's hard to believe but I've seen hatchets hammers knives um, cutthroat razors all things like that at football matches Shamrock Rovers matches we went down to Limerick one time a football special that was a train by the way in case people don't know and when we went to the old Marketsfield Marketsfield was just it was a great Hilton stadium with a pitch inside in the middle of it and that's basically what it was the only thing they had in the ground was I think there was a tiny little porter cabin with glass in it and we stood up beside that same as the match started all hell broke loose and that wasn't on the pitch that was off the pitch it was just mayhem um, a fella came at me with a big pole I always remember I got knocked to the ground and only for a chap jumping in with a knife I probably would have been killed there and then because your man was going, going to town on me anyway just carried on after the match we got back to the railway station we were inside the gates and the railings of the railway station and they were outside and it was just a pitch battle uh, a funny incident happened I got arrested put in the back of a squad car um, I'd say I was there for 10 minutes another chap came along Rovers fan he's no longer with us and he took the keys from the front of the, the squad car opened up the car door and says Can't know, you can get out now right so I got out <laughs> um, got back into the ticket things and I was I say I was only loose for maybe 5-10 minutes and I was arrested again put into another squad car this time two of us were taken away and brought to the local Bridewell um, we got a few slaps off them and brought in to the station before we were put in the cell we were wearing uh, Doc Martens at the time and they said we need your laces so they took the laces out of our boots they must have thought we were going to hang ourselves or maybe escape out of a window or something like that I don't know but they did I'd say we were in the cell maybe an hour and we didn't know what was going on outside or anything like that they come in, open the door and said to us, if you lads run like fuck, you might make it back for your train. Now we were about probably 10-15 minutes away from it, but anyway we ran and ran and ran we got up to the station to tell us petrified because we're thinking, you're going to be left here, you know, um, you're in uh, Limerick, you have no money in your pocket, so what's going to happen? So anyway we arrived up the station, saw the train was gone uh, we didn't know what to think but we walked up the platform and lo and behold there's the train it's only a couple of hundred yards outside the station the lads kept pulling the communication card my friends they wouldn't let it live without me 
So that particular night, then the train eventually got back to Dublin, but we knew there was a, a reception committee waiting for us in Houston. So we got off at Ballyferma. That was an enormous stop. Just pulled the old card and popped out. So um, we got off. We got home. Now, we had to walk home from Ballyferma to work. So it wasn't a nice walk. I'm sure you'd appreciate that. Um, we were used to things like that. You didn't get a hoiding, simple as that. Um, that was just one of my away experiences. Uh, another away experience, Bowls and Rovers, the famous matches. Um, over there, it was it used to be just pure mayhem, absolute mayhem. Um, the shed was the famous place. Everybody wanted to say you were involved, you were fighting and what have you. Um, we all were. Sometimes you got a hoiding, sometimes you didn't, didn't, you know. As regards to the football and what went on the pitch, I'd be the first to say... Worst memory ever. Yeah. Look, I was a, a young lad. All young lads think they know everything, um, as you do. At the time, I was no different than anyone else. It was the skinhead era, the boot boy era, and I was one of them lads. I suppose you'd call me a, a football hooligan. But you had to understand, we were going across to England at the time, myself and Maureen... We used to go to Old Trafford and, you know, we'd see plenty of commotions over there, plenty of fight and things like that. And you come back here and I suppose you just carried on what you saw over there. I was involved with a big gang at the time in town. It was called the, the Bridgeview Boys. Some of the people listening in would remember a lot of them people. We had a few artists in it and used to love um, spray painting around Dublin. Every Saturday afternoon we'd go to a place called Alpha Bargains you do a bit of window shopping uh, you just basically you just helped yourself whatever you wanted but we, we almost took cans of spray paint with us so when we go to the away matches you'd put up SRFC um, things like that you spray all around the area um, one particular instance I remember over in Daily Mount, um wasn't good for me but Maureen had decided I'd have to meet our parents this time it was going to be a Bowles Rowers match over there and she says, Oh, we can come up for tea afterwards. So I wasn't looking forward to it, really wasn't, because all her parents uh, all her folks were all Bowles fans. So uh she says, Right, we'll go. Anyway, um during the match I can't even tell you what the score was or anything like that because I got split open. During the game, um had we brought down to the Mara Hospital and Morning came down with me, got stitched up. And she says, uh, we still have to go up see my man there. No mobile phones, and like that. So we went up, got the bus up, and when I went in, her man there sitting there. So, of course, I'm covered in blood. My shirt is destroyed. So I've got the old sympathy vote. It's grand. I'm sitting down, having a cup of tea, till our brothers arrived in. As soon as they walked in the door, there's that fucker. That's that rowers. So-and-so, he's always causing trouble at the matches. Oh, jeez, mayhem. I had to do a, a very, very quick about turn and get out of the, the house. It wasn't nice, but one thing I respected her father for, he was a, a Bowes fan and he used to stand just outside the shed on the terrace in there. And he had seen me many a time causing mayhem there. And he never said a word, never said a word to me about it. He didn't judge you. No, he didn't judge me. And I have to say, if, if the roles were reversed and Karen come in with, Someone like me, I suppose, a skinhead talk at the time, I wouldn't be happy about it. And you know, something, they never said a word about me. And Karen, 
Was it your dad that got you in the Roberts? Yeah. I had no choice. Every Sunday, out to the RDS. So I went off at the spar on the way, load of sweets. We had left in the house cooking the dinner. And just being, I just lo- loved being in the RDS because he had a playground. Yeah. Uh, also fell down the stairs in the RDS me, me and my dad there and my dad turned around and I wasn't there because I was 20 rows in front because I was fell down all the steps and I just got up and I was like I'm alright, I'm alright I was about 6 literally about 6 just got up, carried on everyone are you alright, you alright do, do you want the John's ambulance no I'm alright, I'm actually alright so then we, I think I remember, we stopped going then after a while, and I remember saying to me dad one Sunday, can we go to a Rovers match? And he was like, yeah, okay. So, my dad had a friend who used to work in Aircom at the time, and he used to get him free passes, because they were the sponsor of the lakes. So we used to go out to Santry on a Sunday. There was just something to do at the time, and then we got, like, got to know people and more involved and stuff like that. And then, now it's just a way of life. You've seen the best part of Europe from your time following Rovers. What would be a highlight? Best part. Audra. That was my first trip. Audra, what is love? Yeah, Poland. That Poland was my first trip. No, Sweden, I think, was my first trip. Sweden's your first trip. Yeah. But Poland was great because it was like only about 80 to 100 people there. Oh, it's the youngest there. Everyone else was allowed to drink, bar me and Collie Marr. <laughs> but he was allowed to drink. <laughs> I wasn't. It was 30 cent a point. You had to mind your dad. Yeah. <laughs> I had to send home. them home. Um. Israel was great, Estonia was great, White Hart Lane was great, everywhere was great. Like when you go on a white trip at Rovers, like it's always a good trip. Estonia was good. Sweden, Sweden was good, remember? The Hokey Cokey, Eamon Seary. Oh yeah, everyone took that top off. In Sweden we played Your Gardens and Big Eamon Seary, everyone remembers him. Eamon was probably about 25 stone, something like that. And he took his top off as well. And we all did the Hokey Cokey, running around. Now Eamon waddled around. but The next morning he made up for it. He was in a bad way. It was a great city as well. Fabulous, absolutely fabulous. We, me and Louise were too young at the time, so we had to go home when all the trouble happened outside the pub. So we were at home in the hotel while everyone else was still out. Probably the only ones in the hotel at the time. Yeah. The only ones that were safe. What would be the uh, Connolly family routine on match day? I know your mother, Marion, she'd be volunteering for many years now. Uh, depending on if we're in work or not, we might have dinner, we might not have dinner. Sometimes we go up to the 1899, get dinner up here. We're not going tonight because we're bad luck. We always lose <laughs> after we go, so we said tonight we give it a miss. Um, we've no no superstitions except for tonight. Um, That's a force. We have a very positive attitude about going. On the the only routine we have is on the way home. You're not allowed to moan about the match. If we if we were terrible, you're still not allowed to moan. You're just ha- you always have to think of the positives. I'll tell you a great story about Louis Kilcoin. Um, <laughs> random, quite a randomer. Very random. Yes. Um, Going out to Milltown, I was only a young lad, uh, going to the ground, and this gentleman in his suit decides we're not got name, we're messing outside, you know, and used to have all the lads there in the the butcher's coats, they were the stewards, and this fella says, You're not getting in. And I says, Who the fuck are you? He says, Oh, you're on the ground. I says, Yeah, great, bully for you. Anyway, we had a bit of a skirmish, and uh, we jumped the turnstiles and we got in. So the cops came in looking for us, couldn't put in us because we were in the shed anyway. But I think it was the following week or the week after that, uh, 
went up the ground again and at the time we used to have a, a, a denim jacket and I had um, a tartan on it like the old basic roll or things like that you know just to make yourself look great anyway I was picked out by the bell Louis but this time he had the guards with him and he says you are not getting in you're barred you're barred for life um, so I had to accept it but we just went around the back and got into the Gonzaga College and he actually probably helped me because I was able to get in free nearly every week then I had to my routine go around the back and get in and say if you know Collins and tell you that he's in there now uh, that's the way we used to get in but I never ever forgot that man and then the day he died I went to his funeral I don't know if you know that I went to his funeral I was down there in what's it called uh, Mount Jerome and he was getting cremated and you know what I was probably the only Rovers fan down there I had my Rovers short on and I had my jacket you know half closed over it and when the curtains opened and he was going down the flames come up and I was just thinking my ring's on fire burning do you know what I just said to myself revenge is sweet I never forgot that man never You'll be regretting doing this interview now. You have all the random stuff. No, I won't. I won't. Uh, Karen, we had uh, Rebecca Dunn on earlier in the season. Tell us about your fellow who bets. Yeah. Oh, I love me. I love the girls. Every girl that goes to Arvis deserves respect because they have to put up with so much shy. Girls don't know football. They don't have a place in football. So any girl that goes to Arvis deserves respect from everyone. And anyone that goes to away matches and has to put, go to Thailand and Porto now. If you're not a Rovers fan, um, is it un- difficult for people from the outside looking in to understand the love you have for the club? Do you have funny looks? My own, my, my two best friends cannot understand why I will not. Well, I I'll go t- to a, a party after a match. They're like, can you not just come straight away? My, I went away travelling two years ago, <laughs> and my <laughs> my friend threw a surprise going away party for us, and I was late to it because I was going to the match. I, I, <laughs> they were like Sorry. you missed the surprise and I was like what surprise and I walked in and it was the surprise going away party because yeah. we were going away because I wanted to go to the match my last match for three months uh, John tell us how the Tata Hoops at Sea was formed um, that's a good question though. <laughs> that's the wrong person. Yeah, no actually I wasn't involved in the founding of it it was Tony Burney um, Eamon Prendergast uh, Martin Janocki they were the founder. There were some of the founder members. There was two or three others. I forget the names at the moment. Um, and they had founder members of it. They just decided because uh, most of them were from Tallet at the time, and they wanted to. And we were supposed to the whole idea was that we were playing in Tallet. I think. Well, we knew we were coming yeah, to yeah, Tallet, yeah. and they said, "Look, they're going to organise and get a supporters club going." So that's how it came about. Basically, uh, some of them have drifted off. Some have stayed on uh, I decided I'd be a figurehead more or less for Tala Hoops there was a policy at the time on the buses as regards um, no drinking whatsoever it's it was it's long <laughs> gone it's long gone long gone um, when I became involved I realised look you can't carry on with this situation you have to have people drinking on the buses you know um, no matter what <laughs> you'd be well aware of that ask Gary as well <laughs> Um so we've done away with that unfortunately I think you know it yourself certain matches right, we will get a big crowd no matter what you could put 20 buses on it depends on what the match is our fans are so fickle they really are you think you're going to run a bus we actually ran buses to Cork for 10 euro 
and we couldn't fill the bus and we just said you know what do you do after that but so far so good uh, Tele Hoops we do the, the goal and goal for all the matches and through that then we're able to sponsor all the players we like to do with um, maybe a match ball we're always interested in sponsoring once we have the, the funds there we'll sponsor anything that's reasonable that's going so hopefully that answers your question as you get that Karen I saw the picture of your dad holding up the big sign saying Roars for the cup so he's confident are you? she gave out to me she gave I, no. I thought you jinxed it because I was I, well in fairness now when we got Blue Bell I literally screamed the house down like we won the league it was a bit it was a bit disgraceful <laughs> it was a bit disgraceful the way I carried on but I was just so happy like y- you want to think that it's going to happen but you can't think that it's going to happen because you're going to jinx it any time I'm confident in a match that we're going to win we lose and every time I think we're going to lose we win so I, I'm trying not to have an opinion on anything anymore John how do you feel about Blue Bell and Fred? I'd be Quietly confident because Karen and myself was up there watching them against Sheriff and there wasn't much in the match. I'd say the best part about the match was probably the referee. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I say that because the referee was an absolute scream. A character. A character. He's what you need in the League of Ireland. I mean, he'd be talking to the players and saying, um, I don't know what I can say it or not. <laughs> I've, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen um, people with sporting a bit for the play better than you, and he was saying that to the players during the match. <laughs> we thought it was hilarious. I wouldn't be worried about them on their own pitch. Yeah, would have been hard playing them because the pitch is in disgrace. Yeah, it is. Um, John Newman, please excuse me. Andy Newman, please excuse me if I saying that. But that's why they wanted to get us up there and play on their own pitch on their own grounds. Um, it wasn't to happen because the FAI put a stop to that um, they just put more obstacles in their way but I definitely look at the way I look at this if we can't be Bluebell by Jesus we don't deserve to win anything at all um, and that's no disrespect to Bluebell whatsoever uh, I would again every year we play in the cup I'm quietly confident we're going to win the cup I think it all the time um, if you don't go out win, thinking you're going to win a match you shouldn't be out there in the pitch simple as that and that's my belief uh, Karen you mentioned the RDS and Sanctuary describe that long agonising way to get into Tata over the years uh, see I didn't think that's gonna, this is going to sound really bad but I had nothing to compare it to like I was in Talca I was in Daly Mount I was in Richmond and to me that was normal so when we did finally get to Tala, obviously it was great and it's strange now being in the same place for so long so being like being in like talk out last week was kind of felt normal to me like I was listening to Owen's interview today and he was like oh it was bittersweet and stuff like that but he had other things to compare it to whereas I had nothing else to compare it to like Talco was home for me Richmond was home for me and Daily Mount for like a season was home for me but now Talent is home so I'm I'm okay with Talent I'm okay with Talent John did you have the van back in Talco? Pardon? (laughs) The van We're only talking about this on the radio. We only mentioned it. Listen, first thing I'd like to say is um, to Mark Battle. Mark Battle was the one that organised the shop, right? Uh, The original person, and he deserves all the credit. Uh, Myself and Maureen just helped him out on it. With the van? With the van. And, uh, look, Talca Park to us was a day's work. We used to leave Watonstown at half past three, maybe three o'clock on a Friday afternoon, and we'd go home between 11 and half 11. And um, 
the you know that noise and that was what you did for the love of the club simple as that we weren't the only ones other people were doing the same things but mm. I used to go over there with the van or bring me tools you probably used to see me I could be on the pitch putting up a few signs or I could be in the toilets ladies gents I could be changing bowls or putting on toilet seats hanging a door whatever you had to do and bearing in mind we're only renting the ground we shouldn't have had to be doing them things but I did it for the comfort of the fans didn't get paid for it um, the club would buy say the toilet seats or whatever equipment we needed and I just provided the tools and the manpower I was glad to be able to do it really was and we were quite happy doing our deals you know three for two and two for one you don't see them in the shop anymore and I tell you we do miss it I think the fans miss it <laughs> the deals we did and a final question for you both who is your player of the year so far this year Shazi yeah Shazi there's no denying uh, it no denying it yeah. a thankless yeah. job he has what he has he doesn't get enough credit for what he does yeah. When he, when he arrived to us he was a raw uh, centre forward and he has learned his trade here and now he is learning and he can now score goals he is amazing, he really is um, to me he inspires what uh, it's all about Rovers what it should be, he puts in doesn't put in 100%, he puts in 120%, 150% every single match he's just amazing on the um, ball, off the ball yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great I'd give it to him. I don't think there anyone else could think any other player. Or what he's doing for no. us. No. no. Com- commitment. This year, no, there's no one else yeah. that deserves it. Yeah. And a very unassuming chap. You know, he's, he, he doesn't think he's great or nothing he like that. He's on our team for the quiz as well, so we have to give it to him. Yeah, but he was shy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a listener, so he's going to hear that. <laughs> he'll know, he'll know, it's alright. He answered one question, he got the Sean Dyke question for us. <laughs> you have to be better than James Dillon, come on. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Dillon? <laughs> Dillon probably has a great knowledge of football. Not. <laughs> no, no. He, that was very pra- hard. He'd be practicing for the quiz, though. Yeah, for next year. Baldy, Dillon. Great stuff from John and Karen there. Um, John uh, with the flames coming up from the. <laughs> yeah, he's some man, isn't he? Great show. Uh, yes, like I said, I went to school with Karen years ago, and Karen thought I was a Pats fan for some reason. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I played for Pats, but like I said, I didn't have an affiliation back then. Just played for Pats, and she she said I used to give her an awful awful time over, which I don't remember at all. But uh, yeah, now some great stories there. Yeah, seventy self confessed seventies hooligan. Self confessed seventies hooligan. We'll get the book out. Yeah, I like to structure my interviews, so I plan out certain questions, and if I'm interviewing two people, I kind of have a bit of back and forth, but. John Conley doesn't do structure. <laughs> John does what he wants. Yeah, John does what he wants. <laughs> I think I agree with Gary Shaw, though, as player of the year. He's, uh, for me at the moment, I think he's the standout. And like, there's one or two more, but I think I'm going with Gary Shaw at the moment as well. They didn't hesitate, did they? They no, both said Gary Shaw. Like a shot. Who will win Robert's podcast of the year, though? That's the oh, question. No, I, think that might be, uh, I think that might be a standout choice there, Carl. Yeah. What's the shortest? Standalone. Um, yeah, so we're going to play a little bit of a recent interview with Shazi uh, about his love of Galway. I seem to ask you about Galway every time we speak. Another brace out there. Half of your ten goals have been against Galway. So have you gotten to the bottom of this love affair you have with them? No, not at all. After the first half, I was thinking to myself, you know, um, I'm not going to score against Galway. What's going on? Because we were that bad. I was kind of in shock and uh, sitting in the dressing room at half time. But uh, yeah, look, it's I don't know what it is. It just seems to happen for me against Galway. And I hadn't scored in a couple of games, and I, I was buzzing. Galway was coming up. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's 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 funny like it's it just seems to happen and it was great that it, it turned out I got the the second and got the winner like it just you know really uh, it kind of makes it funny now at this stage what what goes on but uh, even you know scoring at home as well so it's it's a uh, it's just one of those things I can't put my finger on it but it's it's funny to talk about. It was a great uh, coming from behind win out there memorable scenes at the end. Did you get mobbed by the crowd? Yeah, it was I actually went. I went to run straight for the Rovers fans after he scored, but then Pico start pointing. I go to the corner because they'll tip off, and we're all celebrating. So I just turned and ran. But there was some fella jumped on top of me. Then some fella ran on and jumped on top of me. But uh, I didn't see what the Rovers fans were like in the corner. But I heard they were bleeding mad. So uh, I can only imagine the the scenes up there. But uh, it's you hope uh, you hope for my sake. I hope God will stay up. I'm, I'm hoping and praying to stay up. So. Uh, um, yeah, it was look a great win, and it kept us going on a good run of form. So uh, good old Shawzy, the king of the West, at this stage. Uh, so some other news now: we Richie Tell making his League One debut. He joined Rotherham on loan from Brighton. Uh, wouldn't say he'd be. Was he happy with that? I don't know. New contract from Chris Hewton, so probably he does like him. Going to give him a chance and mm. farm him out to League One. Uh, good news coming out of Daily Mount Park this week Prince, Prince William and Kate are expecting their tour child so they're having the christening in the bar there's a strict dress code there uh, the crustier the better <laughs> this, your man is going to be reading now poems about MDMA fucking dopes <laughs> yeah so best of luck to two format lawn managers with their new ventures Ricardo Cravo will be uh, coaching in China and Ricardo Monsanto will be entering politics yeah best of luck to them is that serious yeah well uh, Ireland games against Georgia and Serbia so it looks like the World Cup dream is over awful awful performance where are people gushing over a performance in a 1-0 win at home where are people praising it to high heavens I'm hearing people in work saying it was a great performance you lost 1-0 to Serbia at home where are you giving out and look look at the Georgia game horrendous horrendous football Rude Doctor is putting all his time and effort and trying to promote the grassroots game saying 4 is the is the formation we want to play going to keep it on the ground promoting every way possible to play football on the ground and then you watch this muck, long ball, horrible, horrible football. Hoof and hope stuff, hoof as Brian Kerr called it. Great post by Ashbourne, analysis of the of the game, and it's just a, a hoof, an animal's hoof. Horrible football, disgraceful. And uh, it, it really is <laughs> embarrassing to watch. And it just brings me back to all the barstools who spend all their money going abroad, and they'll still say League of Ireland is shite. Rovers are playing fantastic football this year. Lovely, lovely football, and it's... It's ten times better than that muck that that Ireland team has put out, and they are uh, completely to blame. Dinosaur tactics, like Maloney said, absolutely disgraceful. Carry on from that management team. Horrible, horrible football. Sorry about that, girl. <laughs> Rant over. My hair is actually blowing back <laughs> on the receiving end of this. It was a much improved performance against Serbia. Well, that, that's not saying much because it was so horrific yeah. against Georgia. But I mean, three points out of a possible twelve. This year, in the qualifying games, two of those against ten men. I mean, you, we're not going to get to a World Cup with that sort of form. And even the future, I mean, I don't agree with the the future is bleak sort of mantra I'm hearing because look at Rovers, look at the under-15s National League, there's definitely progress. But the immediate future isn't looking good because five of the 19 players in the under-21 squad are born in the Republic of Ireland. Wow. That is scary. Five. That's scary. That's scary stuff. We will book that trend. But meanwhile, we're going to talk about the real MON. 
uh, Mick O'Neill led Northern Ireland to a comfortable win over Czech Republic to secure second place in the group. I'm more interested in Northern Ireland at the moment, that's being honest. And you can slate me for that, people can slate me for that, but that's just how I feel. I can't help how I feel. I more affection for Michael O'Neill than I ever, ever will have for the Ireland team in general because of what he did with Rovers, and he's just a fantastic coach. And, I mean, they're 10 points ahead of the Czech Republic now, 12 ahead of Norway. Think about that. And they're going to qualify for the next four, for, the, for their first World Cup in 31 years. And they've conceded two goals in their whole campaign. And that was against the World Champions, Jeremy. That's stunning. I mean, they must be sculpting the statue as we speak. I mean, the paint is out for the murals all over Belfast. Mick O'Neill all over the side of the houses. Sculptures everywhere. He's an absolutely legendary manager. And he will be... <laughs> uh, he's only going to go on and do better things. You should turn down the championship job. Yeah, you should be wait mad. until the Premier League. Be mad so. to do that. Get himself a nice, good job. It wouldn't surprise me if he went away to Europe or something like that. You know, fantastic manager, really is. But people, if you want to compare our groups, fair enough. But Czech Republic, we've been in their group a couple of times over the years, yeah. and we've never come close to finishing ahead of them. No, he just has he is, them believing they are in themselves. Ten yeah. points ahead of Czech Republic. He really has them believing in themselves and playing good football. I mean, look at the squad he has: League One, League Two. I think there's some Northern Irish uh, league players there. It's it really is doing. He's, like I said, poison chalice, and he's working mm. miracles. So there was a good piece in the Ireland program, by the way, about Rovers, Ireland internationals. So uh, Frank O'Neill has the most caps with twenty. Super Frank. And Jimmy Dunn had the most goals with five. Ah, good stuff. Great to have a look back on our uh, our successful years of of uh, of yonder. Uh, the under nineteen twice came from behind to draw two two with Cork at Tal. It was a good weekend for Mike O'Connor. So three goals in two games against Cork inside sixteen hours. So a two all draw with the nineteens for Cork and the under nineteens group is going down to the wire for a playoff place. Rovers will play their last game of the season away to Cork not this weekend but next, and they're in third place on twenty eight points. Three ahead of Limerick and Cork, so that's going to be a tough one down there. And their goal difference is five better off as well. Will that come into play at all? I mean, it would have to take a heavy defeat for them to really not get that playoff. Yeah. A point will ensure a place. I think they'll go down. I think that'll be a big squad. And uh, hopefully, well, there won't be a big row of because that is the day of the cup final, isn't it? The weekend of the cup final. I'm not sure if it's a Saturday or Sunday. But either way, hopefully we can get a good support and, and head on down because there's a lot of force teamers there. So, so uh, And the final installment of the Rovers Cork trilogy, the under-17s won 4-0 at Bishopstown. Absolutely baiting the Cork boys with uh, goals from Dean Williams, who was on fire. Again, Thomas Hannan and Ewan Smithers. Excellent. Uh, so that confirms a place in the top four of the Southern Division with three games to spare and they played Kerry at Tala 2pm on Saturday. Yeah, Williams is the league's joint top scorer now with Cabin Tealy's Clayton Walsh. They've got 11 goals each. Yeah, run the muck in the league, Ardino. Uh, love the new dugouts at the Academy, Carol. What do you think? Passion, respect, and unity. It looks the part, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, they look splendid. It really looks splendid. Yeah. <laughs> and a picture went up online of the Irish under 15s training. I was going to talk to you about this uh, during the week. 6.15 in the morning with Brads Duffer and McPhail. How professional is that? They train four times a week, and a parent said, is Irish football finally coming out of dark ages. Imagine training at six in the morning, going to school. I don't know if they train that night, do they? They possibly do. I think they might train that night as well. So it's very, very professional and I serious reckon, commitment. Yeah. yeah, that is Duffer leading the way with his no nonsense style of coaching. And um, the latest from the 15s game saw them draw one all against St Kevin's at Rollstone. Dean McMinami, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. 
and uh, given the young hoops a first half lead there was a mind boggling decision at the end of the game Rovers scored again with minutes remaining the ref goes back to the halfway line for kick off but was called to the dugout area by the linesman who seemed to have overruled the taking of the free kick from which Rovers scored by telling the ref that he was making a substitution for St Kevin's even though the ref was at the other side of the pitch given a free kick crazy crazy decision Stephen Bradley was sent off for supposedly abusing um or so for abusive language towards the assistant referee and uh, this is this is mind-boggling stuff Brendan Clark senior made that decision staunch Pats fan father of Brendan Clark for a Limerick goalkeeper and uh, can you have a public affiliation for a League of Ireland club if you're a referee I mean I got my referee's license a couple of years ago and they asked had I got an affiliation on the forms that you fill out and I wrote down I'm, I'm a Sean Grover's member so um, that 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 is just blatant blatant like dishonesty there that is crazy from that I mean we had something similar on the weekend Jaden's playing for Esker we had something similar with Kevin's very very tough club to deal with um, there was a lot of off the ball pinching elbows at under 8s and we we called him up and I said this, this is very unsportsmanlike I mean they're kids they should know how to pinch and elbow people off the ball and uh, there was it fell on deaf ears so our lads got on with it and played very well anyway but it was just it, it came off as as very poor on their behalf you know and it looks like it's it's carrying on up <laughs> until 15 so yeah according to an eyewitness who was beside Bradley he wasn't abusive at all uh, Robert Gargan said Clark should have been sent off if anyone Clark should have been yeah, sent off he has yeah. previous it sounded like you wanted to be the centre of attention and you wanted to tell his mates in the pub that he got one over That's a Duffer. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, he got one over on Duffer. But why is he even dictating the play? Why is he calling the ref over and saying, I didn't call for that? The ref should say, no, sorry, I'm overruling you. Apparently he was a young ref and he was intimidated. But Must have been very experienced. Allow himself to be overruled like that. Uh, I've never heard of a decision like that never, before. Never, never. It sounds, it sounds scandalous. It's like the one in Bray with uh, Tomer. I've never seen a goalkeeper fail an opposition player with the ball in his hand before. Yeah, yeah, no. Only uh, Bunnemer could even conceive of that. Yeah, exactly. It's the same with this one. Only this linesman could conceive of such a way to dislow a goal. Yeah, I'm telling you now, he, he's sitting in the pub that night, down in coffees or whatever, and he's just chilling there. McDowell's telling all the boys, screw Rovers over today. They're watching guys. the Serbia game, they're looking at Duffer on TV, and they're saying, I got you. Yeah, got you, Duffer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the 15s are away to Athlone next Saturday at 2pm so um, that is our roundup for the youngsters our young hoops this week so definitely get on down and see them if you can schedule will be up online as well so if you can get down and follow our young hoops do so next up we have Carl's stats and there's a lot of them this week there's a big one this week yeah so against Cork last week Shamrock Rovers won three consecutive league games for the first time under Stephen Bradley the Hoops hadn't won any league game by a score of 3-1 since the first one in charge against Bowes in July 2016 it was the first time in two years and six meetings that Rovers beat Cork in the league this will be the first season since 2013 that they will have beaten the eventual champions and both of the top two so we are uh, breaking up that terrible terrible record we've had for a few years of not beating any of the top four Rovers defeated the league leaders for the first time since Sligo on the last day of 2012 and did it before the title was decided for the first time since a home win over St. Pat's in July 2011. Do you remember that one? I certainly do. Twiggy got the winner. Twiggy with the winner. Tallet is the only away ground where Cork lost in the league in 2015 2017 so far. In 11 of Rovers' 14 league wins this season, they led a half time. Aaron Bulger made his second ever league start. Um... 
The other one was in Longford on the final day of last season. Sam Bone came on for his first appearance since he uh, got that bad injury against Bowes in July. Rovers have gone 16 games without a draw in all competitions for the first time since September in 1986. That run ended with a 2-all draw with Monaghan in a League Cup tie at Milltown. A year earlier, Rovers had gone 19 games without drawing. The Hoops are looking to win seven successive, successive games for the first time since November 1993 under Ray Tracy. So how about that? It's been a while, hasn't it? Yep. Uh, Trevor Crowley twice won six games in a row. Michael O'Neill and Damian Richardson once each. And... Um, yeah, so a non-title winning Rovers team has won hasn't won seven in a row in a single season over fifty years. Fifty years. Yeah, if so you won the title under Tracy in that ninety three ninety four. Uh, if Friday's tie does not go to replay, Rovers will have played twenty away games without a draw for the first time ever, ever. Yep. And uh, it's nearly a full year since the hoops drew two all in Derry, so we don't do draws. Not away from home anymore. Not away from home. So Rovers are looking to reach a record forty six. FAI Cup semi-final the next highest is Bowles with 34 St Francis in 1990 were the last non-league team to reach the semis uh, Rovers have qualified for the semi-finals three times in the Tala era 2010 2013 and 2014 Bluebell are the only non-league team left and uh, only other Dublin team left in the competition Rovers played an away FAI Cup tie at Milltown twice both against non-league clubs and both led to a replay at the same venue Rovers drew nil all and won 2-1 against Terenure Athletic in 1938 and the Hoops drew 1-0 and lost 2-1 to St. Pat's in 1949 Pat's are still the only non-league club to knock Rovers out of the FAI Cup Park Villa in 1975 also took them to a replay I wonder if there's any Hoops who were at those games uh, Rovers have won 15 consecutive FAI Cup ties against non-league clubs for the first attempt since Park Villa conceding just one goal to Sheriff at Tallis Stadium in 2013 was that John Lester or John Rock who got that? We mentioned this because we got me it was John Rock John Rock the last time Rovers met a non-league team in the quarter-final of the FAI Cup was in 1969 when they beat Ringmatton Rangers 4-0 at Milltown Anton Matthews was talking to me about this game recently he was talking about Ringmatton Rangers well, there was another one in the eighties. Maybe means that's that the one. one he was on about then. Yeah, yeah. the one in the eighties. And this is only the third time that Rovers played two non-league clubs in the FAI Cup proper. The others were in nineteen thirty-two, Armo, Armiel, Armo. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. And Edenville and two thousand and five, Fanad United and Douglas Hall. That was under Roddy. Under Roddy. Rovers beat Armo nine-three. Only uh, one of only three ties in the history of the FAI Cup to produce twelve goals. As well as 1932, Rovers reached the semi-finals without playing a top-flight team in 1989. Kuldaff, UCD and Home Farm. And 2002, Dundalk, Cove and Kilkenny. The last time Rovers made the semis without leaving their own ground was in 1979, beating Shelbourne and Limerick at Milltown. They did it without leaving Dublin once since then in 1986. Bluebell were founded in 1946. Ex-Hoops and their current squad include Keith Fahey, Dean Lawrence, Ryan Coombs, Willow McDonough and Dean Ebby. Fahey along with Ronan Finn is suspended so yeah Brandon Mille uh, had a short spell with Bluebell after coming home from Newcastle before signing for Rovers in December 2014 Rovers have won each of the last 24 matches that Mille has scored in I love he's that he's himself a little Finn record going there isn't he I love well Finn was more of an unbeaten run whereas we always win when Mille um, scores yeah superstar superstar there these two teams haven't met competitively since Noel King's first game in charge on the 10th of August in 1988. Rovers won that Leinster Senior Cup tie and penalties at the Red Cow. We were actually asking about people who went to that. 
Yep. Uh, Raw was also beat Bluebell in the Lancer Senior Cup ties in 1982 and 86 at Milltown and 74 at Daily Mount Park. And we have Bluebell beat Sheriff 3-0 and Cam Tilly 1-0 in home ties on the way here, although uh, latter was played at Strabrook. Bluebell lost 5-2 at Limerick in last year's second round 2013. The Lancer Senior Club beat Athlone and took Derry to a replay. Yeah, and that Bluebell 88 game, uh, Jody Byrne saved three penalties. Three penalties? In the penalty shootout. And Alan Dempsey writes, McNamara had just taken over from the Kilcoynes, who sold off most of the squad before selling. Noel King cobbled together a brand new squad with the likes of Ricky McAvoy, Barry Murphy making their debuts. It was a midweek match, which was fairly even, but not many goal mill chances from what I remember. And he remembers being impressed by McAvoy, who was a very skillful central midfield player. Uh, we also had Kuldaff in uh, 89 sounded like great crack on the Inishon Peninsula of Donegal people were talking about it on Facebook a few months ago there was actually a game there yeah jeez that sounded like good crack Alan Keane paid a visit to the Caratra Car- Park he said it's hard to believe it's 29 years since the Hoops beat Kuldaff here 3-0 in the FAI Cup toy I remember being a great day out at the time and it's fair to say the place hasn't changed a bit still remember the locals sitting on the sand dunes watching the game and he reckons the Rovers fans were the only paying customers that day and he seems to remember the attendance was about 3,000 yeah and James Cook said it was a great trip and the pitch was right beside the beach I think Jason Maloney was there as well he said the crowd was huge because of the large contingent of Derry fans there they went everywhere in those days places like a mud bath I remember sliding down one of those hills much to the amusement of the Derry fiends <laughs> sure there was no boomers involved in that one Jay Goldaff is a tiny village as you might know it's a population of only about 200 wow 200 and it was 3,000 at the game but what was infamous about the trip was that uh, Ricky McAvoy and Andy Moore were caught in a disco in the town <laughs> Moville going old school after midnight and they were dropped to the bench by Kinger no way yeah super and who and gave you that bit of, who gave that snippet of info I remember from the Glenmore Gazette they took the piss out of him it was on the cover of the of that issue it was something like uh, McAvoy and Moore disco edition yeah <laughs> ah good stuff um, yeah so that's all of our uh, stats and and a trip down memory lane for the previous toys and uh, now we're going to move on to starting 11s and predictions so we're going to go with a 4-4-1-1 morphing into a 4-3-3 when we attack and uh, Tomer I'm going to go with Tomer I'm going to go Lukey Grace Pico Madden I'm going to go McAllister and Bulger in the middle with Trev and Duna out wide and then I'm going to have Brando behind Shawzi and a 3-0 win with late goals from Brando against his former team. I don't think you're going to have the same team, Carl. No, well, you might be surprised with this, but I just want the same team again. Same team again, yeah. I mean, I saw some people saying rest one or two, bring in Horgan, but I take no chances. No, I'm not, in my I'm, not, opinion. I'm not taking any chances. I just think, uh, I think our natural pace on the wings will really expose this team and uh, I think doing it and Trev will do them big time. And I don't think they have enough pace on the wings. Maybe, I mean, they've got Dean Ebby up there. They're going to have Tony Griff. They're going to have Shane Stritch. So there is pace there. Not crazy amounts of pace. But Shane Stritch has pace. But other than that, I think that's a solid team for myself. I think McAllister and Bulger will do the business in the middle. Trev and doing it out wide. And, I mean, if you do need to bring on Connolly, if Bulger's struggling, you have the choice. And Brando to do major damage in behind Shawzi. 
sorry, I just realised Finn is suspended, so I can't pick the same Come team on, as uh, as Cork. So uh, doing it in. That's my only change. Yeah. So what's your what's your scoreline, Riley? My scoreline is two 0 win. Two 0 win and straight into the semis. So we actually had a quick chat with uh, Bluebell's own Bocker Bailey and Tails from the East and Stalwart. So we had a quick chat with him. We also had a few words with Andy Noon as well. So um, this we had I met up with the Bluebell gaffer at the Bluebell Club and uh, he had this to say. Well, you know, we're here at the, fr- the freshly refurbished Blue Bell Byron restaurant and uh, we're going to talk to Andy and he's going to give us the private tour as I get the lowdown on Blue Bell United, maybe a quick peek at the tactics board. So, um, there's a few ex-hoops in the squad as well, Keith Fahey and Dean Lawrence and uh, Bucker Bailey as well. He had a painting gear on when I arrived last time. So, Andy, Blue Bell have a- had a bit of a revival in terms of silverware since your arrival and uh, put a stop to crumbling United stranglehold on the league. When did you take over? Oh, he... I believe this is my sixth year. It's it's all a blur to be fair to be honest with you. Um well, I think this is my start my sixth year. Um the first year we came runners up. I blame Andy McNulty for that because he left me for Bowles. Uh he became a Bowles legend in his own mind after that. But he soon came back. But I think we came runners up two or three times, pipped to the post until we finally cracked the nut. Uh, it was a 28 year wait for the club so but once we got out once we got it we, we went back to back and then we were lucky last year not to go three in a row uh, a very good Moctis team but goal difference it's a cruel way to lose out in the league but in fairness to the lads the, the, I don't think I left I don't think I, I lost many players probably two lads through the course of the summer so I think in all the years I've been here this has probably been the strongest squad that we've assembled so now it all looks good and you seem to be able to pull in tell the players the likes of Fahey Tell and their own Brandon Mille. Uh, how do you persuade these guys, and I mean no offence here, to take a step down a level and not pursue a club in England and Scotland after the re- release? The likes of player like Brandon, he could have probably got on to play in England again. And yeah, well, well, we'll use Brandon as an example. Brandon came home, he went training with a couple of League of Ireland teams and to be honest with you, the step down from where Brandon was, and he was very unlucky with, uh, with an injury, and I'd spoken to uh, his agent at the time who just by pure luck was a good friend of mine Tommy Butler um, League of Ireland teams were looking at him and to be honest with you I'm not going to say they were disrespectful towards him I, I, I knew the talk at the time I knew his father really well uh, from growing up uh, spoke to his father Brandon came up and done a bit of training and to be honest with you that, that's all it was um, Keith Fatty is, is the same Richie Tell is the same once the lads come up they see the facilities uh, and, and the level of training and the level of players that, that are here we're a senior team, as opposed to a lot of force divisions, are uh, very young sides, 18, 19 year olds, uh, lads coming back from England, they're, they're used to a, a more physical probably uh, player being around them, and they're, they're, they're more out of sync at that level, I feel, than coming into the Leinster Senior League, but there's only two or three clubs at this level, I believe, that, that could show that type of uh, level to them type of players, which would probably be ourselves, Crumlin, Moctis, uh, I'm probably being disrespectful to one or two others there, but... Uh, there is one or two others say that that clubs that that players can go into, but now listen to and there's always the headlock I put them in and and, and <laughs> that, that, works, that, that, that usually works. <laughs> but no, listen, it, it, it's what I say to them all. Listen, come up, see what you think, and if you enjoy it, and if you think this is a place where you can enjoy football, um, why not sign? Uh, and a lot of them lads when they come back. Uh, they're very disheartened. I remember speaking to Brandon and he, and he was talking about Jack and Ryan all together, which would have been a waste for his football. Um, I mean, look at him now, he's look him now, yeah, exactly. And like Richie Tell was the same. Um, I remember when Richie signed for Bluebell, um, I tried to get him to go to Rovers and 
to the jigs and the rails. It wasn't through my trying or Richie's trying that he didn't sign for Rovers. I think at the time Richie had his persona around him, but um, he was easily the best trainer I've ever had. Uh, never missed, never missed a session. Very respectful, as was Brandon. Uh, yeah, great, great attitude. And I mean, even at the time he was a 21 international with Noel King, and Noel was a former manager of mine when I was at UCD. And it, it was bizarre that we were turning up to uh, Fontail to train, and you're getting a phone call after the 21 manager to ask how one your players are. That's that, it was fairly <laughs> surreal. But available for release. Exactly, exactly. But but like that's I mean King knew knew the quality that, that and he knew when he was with myself and he was with Bluebell that that quality w- would remain. Uh, it wasn't. It's not a pub level. Which was some amateur football gets looked at. To the top lines of senior league, uh, by all the clubs that are in there, they're capable of beating each other week in, week out. And personally, some, so go, I go to some League of Ireland games, and to be honest with you, I'd rather go up on a Sunday morning and go watch the Lens of Senior League game. Uh, it's a bit more excitement, it's, the games are quicker, uh, and for a five euro win it's probably more value for money than paying 15 euro into some of them some of them games um, I won't mention the clubs are, but it definitely wasn't Shamrock Rovers yeah. you played a bit yourself like that Long Cove Dundalk Dublin City what's your last memory of Rovers fans when you did play against them being, being an opposition player Probably, uh, probably the abuse um, because listen I worked I worked as well for years uh, doing the security um, and I, I took a couple of famous nights trying to control the, the Rovers fans on, on the sideline uh, when, I, when I was probably 19 or, or 20 being told to stop them getting onto the pitch and you, you, good luck with that yeah, exactly yeah, yeah the, the barbarians coming over the mountain <laughs> but no it, listen it was great I'm, as I said I'm a Rovers fan um, if I wasn't if I wasn't uh, on the receiving end of it I was usually in the stands giving it so that's all part of the course like, and I'm looking forward to Friday because I was there at Cork City for the second half and, and the, even though they're, they're fairly grey in, in their age uh, the lads who I'd normally sit with they're going to absolutely slaughter me but that's, that's yeah. part of the course that, that's, if that wasn't there I'd be, I'd be shocked and that's probably what makes Rovers that little bit, uh, little bit special some of the unique chants that come out, some of the songs, somebody somewhere is writing There's them. one there for you. There's one coming ah, I wouldn't be surprised, I, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. But it's great. Uh, and we also have uh, some ex-hoops with Fatty, we mentioned these already, and, and Bocker and that. Um, is there anyone on the board or any other fans in the dressing room? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure, to be perfectly honest with you, who, what you lead to. Because we've, we've come up against uh, St. Pat's a fair bit. In the Leinster Senior Cup and DA Sports, and I, I don't think there's many Pats fans in there. Um, I think Dave Scully might be a Bowes fan, and, and and Andy McNulty that just had a bit of spice yeah, to, the, yeah. to, to the interview. But um, no, we, some of the Northsiders that, that are with me might might be uh, Bowes and Shells, but I think most of the lads who are who are based Tallis Southwood are are Rovers fans. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Billy Boy, Trevor Malloy was the best player you ever played with in your JSP Best Eleven article. We had him on the show recently; he was a great guest, and he held the record for most goal scorer versus balls since the eighties. So Brando equaled it. Uh, will you be earmarking Brando or any other Rovers players as our danger man? Yeah, I could do a one to eleven on the danger man. Uh, I tell you, I, I tell you who I'm really impressed with at Rovers uh, is young Aaron Bulger. What, what a player that that kid's going to be. I, I think having. Looking at McPhail, looking at Duff, looking at Bradzer uh, and, and Crown and the lads who are there advising him and, and how he's playing, that kid's going to be special. I, yeah. I, I don't see him being a Rovers player for much longer. Uh, I mean, well, he's just turned 17 or something. 
unbelievable talent. And a play, I watched him play. I thought Ronald Finn was man the match against Cork tonight. But for a kid his age coming into that against the champions elect, he Boston was in the midfield. Yeah, he was outstanding. He was outstanding. Um, Graham Bork uh, as well. Although he's not available, what a, what a player he's been since he's come in. Um, but listen, Brandon can score from anywhere. He did when he played for Bluebell. Um, I think he scored seven goals in, 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 in the short time he was with us. But I remember speaking to Nutsi about him. Uh, probably the quickest player I've ever seen dribbling with the ball at his feet. He, he just he doesn't he doesn't break uh, stride when he's with the ball in front of him. Most players will slow down for that touch. Brandon just takes off. So uh, now listen, I, I know I know what strengths they have, and we're going to do our best to try neutralise that as best we can. But um, if I was if I was given a choice of what two or three players I would like Rovers not to have against. Uh, Bluebell, it'd probably be Brandon, Bork and Finn. I've got two of them. So yeah. I mean listen, that's given that's given me something to get, to go on. But now listen, they've got a lot of, they've got danger men all over the place from set pieces, uh, Shaw's a handful. Devine uh, who who I know is parted way, uh, he he was a handful but they've, they've got big lads in there. Um Big Davy McCarthy. Exactly, yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So listen, we just have to do our homework. I mean, to me, on the night, mental fitness is what tells uh, more so than ability. I, I think if you're to weigh out ability, experience, we'd probably have more youth without a shadow, without Rovers edges. Fitness, they, they edges. If we can stay mentally uh, strong on the night, anything can happen. Yeah, you're definitely right. And I mean, um, you attempted to host a tie in your home venue. Uh, but it was moved to tell her. What was the deciding factor in giving up home advantage? The gateway in, uh, there's only the one, uh, one way in and one way out. Uh, the land to, to our left there, there's five acres of land that the title deed has, it's the only legal document that needs to be transferred across. It's a, it's a done deal, but once the title deed is in, we can, we can open up access into the factories there at the back of the pitch, which would give us a secondary emergency exit point. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to happen in the time frame, and just just in the scenario based that uh, something did something did go wrong on the day, and, and the emergency service are called, it would have been a bottleneck. And once health and safety is mentioned in any sort of conversation, you, you have to listen up. And first, the Frank Gavin, we walked around uh, the pitch, and he complimented everything that that we had, everything that we were trying to do. But it was one thing that we just couldn't get over. Yeah, well, that was that was the final say. Anyway. That, yeah, that was it. Listen again, I, I didn't. I, I didn't really have that much of a uh, ground to stand on, but it's, this is Shamrock Rovers. It's Tallah Stadium. Um, I've never played there. Uh, I've never managed against Rovers either, so it's an opportunity for me as well, uh, and, and for my family of a young family there that are going to come out and support it. Like we, there was talk of an alternative venue, but I didn't really, I didn't really accept that. I mean, Baldonnell was told reviews Baldonnell in the past. Um, I didn't want that because listen, again, Tallah Stadium is a unique venue for. For, for lads to play in against Shamrock Rovers, and it, it, I think I would have I would have taken away from the lads. It could have given us a, a slight advantage, probably not. Uh, if we if we were to have an advantage, it probably would have been on this pitch. I'm looking out there now. It's only so. it, it, like it's a tight pitch. It looks well, um, but listen, that's that's just a waiver. Like we the club from, from any financial windfall that we, we might receive from it, it's going to be invested back into the facility. So this time next year. When we, when we meet Shamrock Rovers in the semi-final of the FAI Cup, <laughs> uh, we, we can beat them. Um, and finally, how much of a discount are Rovers fans getting the newly refurbished bar? You're breaking up. <laughs> cheers, <laughs> cheers, Andy. Thanks. Cheers. So we're at the Bluebell Clubhouse and we're here with Bocker Bailey, former Rovers player. Bocker, uh, is it an emotional return to Rovers for you? It's always emotional going to Rovers. Some memories up there. Some good, some bad, but 
it's not about Rovers anymore now, it's about Blue Bell. I'm down here. I'm committed to this club. And to be honest with you, apart from Rovers, Blue Bell will be the best club I've been at. And what about uh, the form coming into this game? 5 1 win against uh, Fairhouse. So it's looking like some decent form coming in with five different scorers. He's confident about the game on Friday. Yeah, look, all that goes out the window. It's quite fun as an FAI Cup. Played in 4 5 to myself. You could have got beaten 5 1 the weekend and still wouldn't matter going into a game like this. So all that's out the window. And the preparation coming into the game, I believe you're trained in Tallis, so uh, uh, a little bit of a step up in terms of uh, equipment and things like that. Uh, will it add to the occasion? It's a step up for some of the lads, not myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I won't. Look, man, it's a game of ball. It's two Dublin, Dublin derby. The boys, they're going to be as well drilled in as we are. They're going to want to go out and kick show you out of us, as well as we're going to want to go out and kick show you out of them. But this is it. You're going to have to get up against it. You're up against it. So that was some words from the Bluebell camp there. And uh, quietly confident, I'm hearing. Yeah, and already confident. Not already confident, but quietly confident. I think they would have been more confident on um, on their own pitch, but uh, it wasn't to be. So um, that's it for this week. And uh, like I said, it's a tricky enough tie, but I think we can uh, we can do enough to get through to the next round. So hopefully the East End will be fully open and uh, we'll see us there, guys. So uh, keep on hooping, folks. See ya. Situation they got me facing. I can't live a normal life. I was raised by the state, so I gotta be damn with the hood team. Too much television watching got me chasing dreams. I'm an educated fool with money on my mind. Got my tin in my hand and a gleam in my eye. I'm a loped out gangster, set tripping banker. And my homies is down, so don't arouse my anger. Fool, death ain't nothing but a heartbeat away. I'm living life, do or die. What can I say? I'm 23 now, but will I live to see 24? The way things are going, I don't know.